Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome to Wildcast Studios, to the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats, presented by Alpha's Appliance Solution. Right now, they got the New Year Kitchen Suite Savings Event until tonight. Uh, when you save $150 when you purchase two qualifying Maytag or Whirlpool Major Kitchen Appliances, save $300 when you purchase three or more. As always, finishers, I am your host, Adam London. I am joined by the writer for Rocket Sports for the QMJHL via the Hockey News and your favorite co-hoster, maybe don't take his NFL predictions, Mr. Jeremy Boucher. The Browns disappointed you, like probably so many. Uh, have you changed teams or just mm. you're done? Yeah, Ray Jennings didn't get the job <laughs> done, you know. Couldn't run the ball. Monte Mack couldn't stop the ball. No, exactly. You know, Brian Drew just uh, <laughs> Brian Drew just couldn't get the job done at quarterback either. No, no, I'm uh, I'm done. I'm uh, I'm all out. Uh, my football uh, attention tra- will now be focused to Usher. Usher. Oh yeah, and the halftime show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be the quick question, or that'll be a question in this intro as we get closer to the um, Super Bowl, February 11th. Mm-hmm. Big news in New England, though. Sir Bill is out. Uh, Gerard Mayo is in, which from what I heard and read uh, during this time on the old Twitter, I will not call it a stupid name, Elon. Um, he was called Mini Bill or Little Bill or what, whatever they called him. He was just a Bill Belichick type clone. And um, Your thoughts on that? Uh, for me, Bill Belichick should have been gone five years ago. Uh, so this is welcome, welcome news for yeah. for me. Uh, I he just wasn't the same coach without uh, Mr. Brady. Uh, so I thought uh, I was very happy. And Gerard Mayo is a great hire. He knows the organization, been with them for a while, mm-hmm. and I think he's uh, going to do great. And you know, as long as Bill Check has uh, like it doesn't touch the draft at all, yeah, uh, I think they'll make the right moves. I think some people are. Thinking Belichick has, uh, Belichick has his uh, paw prints still in the organization because I've seen a lot of mock drafts and I think I made a joke a couple weeks ago about them taking some offensive tackle from Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I've seen some mock drafts where they're actually taking a tackle. So, oh really? Uh, yeah. Well, they need offensive line help they, too. But... They need, they do, but they also need a cornerback that's not Mac Jones yeah, or the other guys. There's four or five of them coming out of this a good year. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see where he lands. Um, Dallas. Especially, yeah, with Dallas going out last night, like uh, a couple weeks ago when I was stuck in the airport, when Bama loses, America wins. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dallas loses, NFL fans win. I, I can't see Mike McCarthy staying there. 12-5, um, 12-5, 12-5, and bounced um, without getting to an NFC championship. And it's funny, uh, Tom Brady had five wins in Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Dallas has had four since 1997. Jeez. So... Um, a lot of speculation that Bill will wind up there and that, I mean, the Joneses are the Joneses. They, they do the player personnel. If they can just allow him to coach and he'll have a, a top tier quarterback. I think that's a, an interesting spot for him. I think Harbaugh will land in, uh, I almost said Charlotte in, uh, Los Angeles with the chargers. So, um, but yeah, I do enjoy when Dallas loses, especially because that means Tampa doesn't have to face San Francisco next week. If we get past Tampa, um, this show is being recorded about an hour and a half before Monday Night Football. That's why I am dressed to the nines, including my PJ pants. 
<laughs> I am ready to go. I am full on. I had my exact same. Well, last week we had breakfast, the same breakfast. This week for dinner we had the same, the same meal. The superstitions they come alive, um, all the time. Actually, to be honest with you, I can't just say um, playoffs, but uh, it is exciting times. Uh, Hell's Kitchen caught up. That yeah, the honestly the black jacket dinner service was as bad as the Dallas Cowboys played um, mm. on on Sunday. That was just. For a group that was so good in red and red and blue coats to get to the black jackets, they were just terrible. And honestly, I was so worried for Jonathan, the way that uh, Ramsey got in his head, calling him a sack of shit, uh, or looking like one after getting hung or after getting being drunk and being hung over. I was I was truly worried for him. Yeah, he did have a great service. Eh, he no. he, he took that uh, a little too personally and. Yeah. I think he, he kind of knows. If your idol says you look like a bag well, of shit, you probably would take that. <laughs> if Gordon Ramsay called me a bag bag of shit, I'd probably be like, <laughs> yeah. Gordon Ramsay called me a bag of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take it with a sense of pride. But, uh, yeah, Demir and Lee were ousted, so we got a final mm-hmm. four now. Mm-hmm. Still our two. Our two are still in there. Yeah, we're, uh, still, we're still in it. It's Carmen, Sammy, Jonathan, and Ryan, so... Um, we're this, doing good. Yeah, we. This is probably the longest that the two of us have had somebody in. Mm. I think you picked a winner once, but this is the longest that I've had. Yeah, did, did I pick Alex last year? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, who didn't even fulfill his Hell's Kitchen contract? Anyways, well, oh really? Not gonna. Oh yeah, he's not even working in Atlantic City. He's just doing. I guess he won the show, and then he was just like, oh. This is way too much of a commitment to leave my family and just said, Oh, that I'll was pass. the guy from the Texas or Louisiana or something, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, he was, he was an older guy, really good looking for his age. Yeah. I uh, had the two young boys, really good looking man. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He just oh, okay. didn't. I think all he, I follow him on Instagram, all he does is he posts video, videos of himself in his kitchen at home cooking steak. He probably makes more money doing that on yeah. online yeah. with the notoriety of being on Hell's Kitchen. And, exactly. Um, it's like Dragon's Den and, yeah. and Shark Tank and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, you may not get a deal, but your product just got on national television yeah. when if it actually does. And you get more notoriety like the, the Country Liberty guy. Right? Exactly. Like, and he's a rock singer, too. He's in a band. So uh, rock, a- Alex. The, from the country, uh, I was like, the Country Liberty guy? Or the no, Hell's no, Kitchen Alex from, uh, yeah. from Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, so he's... He's making music. He's cooking food in his kitchen and putting it on Instagram. And yeah, like you said, he's probably making more money doing that than he yep. than he would with his uh, Atlantic City quarter of a million dollars. A lot of cities. I don't know if I'd want to live in Atlantic City. No, it's, it's like the Vegas of the East, and it's not a very good, <laughs> not a very good, um, not a very good Vegas of the East in general. But um, it's funny. Just as this show will end, we'll get another Gordon Ramsay show as Next Level Chef. Did you no. did you watch that? I never did. It's no. actually it's actually no. really good. They they divide them into teams, and then the there's three coaches. It's Gordon and um, I can't remember the other two right now off the top of my head, but they each get teams. And if the team wins or somebody wins on that team, you go to the top level, so you get all the best kitchen stuff. Okay, you get all the best food as the thing drops down. The second level, it's like a home cook. It's like a home kitchen. Like you don't have the best of the best, and then you get what's left over, and then the bottom is like bottom of the barrel like three knives that are barely sharp they got like Ugh. it's like very like ovens and microwaves and stuff like that and you got to cook these next level mm-hmm. uh, dinners and get elevated up so um it's pretty good but the when i was watching hell's kitchen i said to to Layla, i was like 
You ever think Gordon Ramsay's going to, when the food tasting, if he's going to be like, blah, 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 chef, Guy Fieri is going to walk <laughs> through the door. Like, there's so many, like, Guy Fieri's got his, like, group of chefs, yeah, yeah. and it seems like Gordon Ramsay has his. I would like to see those two kind of go head-to-head in an all-star style food show. Yeah, man, that was, Guy Fieri's another one of my cooking idols. and Yeah. Uh, He's one of my hair idols. Yeah. <laughs> Based on that, just playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Diners, Drivers, and Dives. I've been watching that for yeah. years, and uh, I love that show. And and Gordon Ramsay, I mean, I've been watching Hell's Kitchen for as long as I can remember. Yeah. You know, and so uh, it's to have those two kind of face off against each other would be uh, would be yeah, I'd be in for that. Yeah, let's make it. Uh, if you're listening, Gordon or, or Guy Fieri, uh, let's make it. Uh, let's make it happen. Don't forget, as always, you can follow us on the social medias: Twitter, Monk to Wildcast, Instagram, Wildcast Podcast, TikTok, Wildcast Podcast. We'll get back to doing those. And uh, of course, if you're not already watching, like and subscribe on the YouTube. Click the little bell so you don't miss any of this. We are going to do a quick question, but it's not coming from us. We're going to try something a little different, sir. We are. Well, podcast of the fans. We're podcast of the people. And uh, while we love all of your support every week, watching, talking to us, what, uh, DMing us, stuff like that, we want to hear some of your quick questions. Um, so what we're going to do this next few weeks moving forward, we're going to reach out, see if you guys have a quick question. Now, we know some of you are going to ask what our favorite player is, what our favorite NHL team is, and those are good. But we want like actual questions any sport, um, not so much what's your favorite player. So um, so for this week, we're going to kick it off. We're going to allow producer Kyle, who you see not see off camera, um, he's going to jump on the mic, and he's going to give us his question for us. Hey, guys. Producer Kyle here with a quick question for you. Considering the Wildcats season so far and the moves they made at the deadline, or I should say lack thereof, and the overall competition of teams in the queue this season, in your own opinion, what is a realistic outcome that fans should expect from this team this season? I believe many know that next season is a cup or bust year for the Wildcats, but many don't know what to expect from this team on a night-in and night-out basis. The record is really good, but what should we expect from this team come playoff time? And should we be expecting a cup run, or should we expect be expecting another second-round exit like last year? Thanks. That's good a, question. That is a good question. I'll kick it off. Uh, Copper bust. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've got to live up to my word here. I did uh, I did say at the beginning of the season yeah. that I thought this team had had uh, what it would take to, you know, get past Halifax, get into that third round, uh, and all the way to the final, really, is, mm-hmm. is exactly what I said. And as a man of my word, I have to stick with that. Uh, honestly, I think, you know, if you're in a second round and – you are up against Halifax as well, uh, just like last year. I, I think based on how the games have gone recently, I think we have a, a much better chance mm-hmm. to take them out yep. uh, compared to uh, how, how last year went. Uh, I, you know, they're without Dume for, you know, a month or two here. And uh, that's, you know, to be able to get a player like him back in time for the playoffs is like, Getting a superstar for absolutely nothing at the trade deadline. It's the uh, Q format of uh, long term IR mm-hmm. for Tampa mm-hmm. Bay and the and the Golden Knights. But no, honestly, um, on that on that topic of of, of Dumate, I don't want to get too much into that because I, I you know it's a little uh, the question is more focused about the Wildcats is mm-hmm. 
you know, if you're having sports hernia sur- surgery and double hip, whatever it is, I think they're personally rushing him back if they expect him on back on the ice in six weeks. Yeah. Uh, that's to me, I think that's a recovery time that's extremely expedited. And uh, I talked to some doctors oh. on, on the YouTube, yeah. and on, the, on the Google. Yeah. Uh, and I just asked a you know a question what what a realistic healing time and you know full recovery for such an operation would be and and they said three to four months yeah so I I don't know if if it's a Columbus thing rushing them back or a Halifax thing rushing them back I I really hope they're not putting all their eggs in one basket and rooting this kid's career because they just want him for a playoff run. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't see him being a hundred percent in six weeks. So that's, so that's, that's all I got to say. Yeah. Um, so really in all honesty, if you want a season better than last year, you need two wins in the second round against Halifax. <laughs> and that's, um, I think, I think they've got the group to do it. Uh, they kept the group intact, which is always good. Uh, and I think any any time you can keep a group intact, you you're going to have more uh, more chemistry, more relationships going into the playoffs, which will only help. Yeah, I think um, from uh, to piggyback on the Dume thing, I think if he's starting to skate in six weeks, okay. If you're thinking he's going to be full go in six weeks, um, I, I I was surprised they didn't put season ending at least. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's. It, Sets up Halifax would take on Bathurst. They don't need him to play to beat Bathurst um, in the first round, so you can kind of give him. But do you really want to have him jump right back into a Moncton second round series? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right now, we would face uh, Shakutami, which is a, a little bit of tougher of a matchup travel wise than Bathurst. Uh, but I think fans' expectation for this team, I think, as well as mine, I, th- I think it's the third round. I think this team. I don't want to say to consider it a success, but um, I think in the fans' eyes, the third round is mm-hmm. kind of how you want to build mm-hmm. it. And I think Richie and Dan are probably looking at the third round as the goal. And you build, you got to the first round and whatever the COVID playoffs was last year, you got to the second round, you, you battled through Bay Como, you saw what the best of Halifax was, um, you ran out of gas. I think this year, if, if realistically you get to the third round and then next year when you just quote all in year, um, that's your copper bust year. I think if you get past Halifax, everything after that is gravy um, to look at the matchups way far in advance. And I talked about this on the post game show, um, your top four teams, and we'll say Moncton beats Halifax in the second round, just for the sake of what I'm doing here. Uh, you're looking at Bay Como Moncton in the third round. We're in Drummondville in the second. And that's mm-hmm. just based on the standings today because both Drummondville and Renner are about eight points behind Bay Como. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hell of a third round series. Yep. And look, I'm going to get into it a little bit. I got into it on the post game show. I'm going to get into it a little bit on, on the rewind. You know, we saw a full Halifax lineup and Moncton took them to overtime. And I think Moncton knows that they can play with Halifax. I think it's just for whatever reason, it's a mental hurdle in this building with Matthias Rousseau. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think for fans, um, I think the realistic expectation is the third round. Um, but considering his success, two more wins against Halifax. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's really all you need. Yeah. You know, it's uh, – I 
wholeheartedly think this team has what it's ta- what, what it takes to get past them and, and into the third round. And, you know, against Bay Como, I, I think that's a favorable matchup. You know, I, yeah. you know, it's, uh, we've, we can, we've proved we can beat them uh, last year. Obviously things are a little different. They've, uh, they've got a few extra players, uh, you know, as part of the group they didn't have last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, same can be said for, for Moncton, you know, it's, uh, there's, uh, I think that's, uh, if it gets to that point and we are in the third round against Bay Como, I, that's, I think a favorable matchup. Yeah. I think Halifax is the hurdle. Yeah. You know, I think Halifax, if we can get past Halifax, I think my prediction of Moncton getting all the way to the cup is, is a realistic, possible, realistic possibility. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. And it, it's, I don't know if it's going to take Halifax not being good next year and Moncton sweeping the season series to finally get over the hurdle, but I think they have to get over that mental hurdle of the Halifax Mooseheads in in Moncton. They figured some sort of success on the road um, in the Scotiabank Centre. They just got to get it to home. So uh, appreciate the question, Kyle. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, we will continue to kind of have this quick question week after week we'll either ask for your quick question and pick the best one and get a voice recording or we'll just reach out to fans and ask if they have a question for us uh onto the show but let's get to some news and notes from around the queue news and notes from around the queue the commissioner mr mario chikini was uh doing the maritimes trip charlottetown or st john charlottetown moncton up in Bathurst, um, everything seemed to go good through three of the cities. It was more of a, let's learn about the Maritimes. Let's get some information from, take it all in, absorb it all. Bathurst was a little bit different. Uh, he was in Bathurst with the mayor, with the owner of the team, and they're basically looking for new ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, with that new ownership, they want to keep the team in Bathurst, right? Yeah, that's that's the goal. And uh, they, they want to find an investor that's willing to keep the team in Bathurst, that wants to... Seek to seed on and off the ice, and you know if you ask me, the team needs uh, a lot of work. Yeah, they need a very rich marketing genius or expert, whatever you want to call it, uh, to be in control of that organization for it to succeed. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of fans that aren't showing up to that rink. Yeah, uh, you know there's they're lucky if they get fifteen hundred, two thousand fans a game, and some nights it's a, <laughs> some nights it's less than a thousand. So yeah. you're uh, you've really got a, a lot of seats to fill in that rink. And they're averaging fourteen ninety six in yeah. twenty one home games. This there year. you go. So less than less than fifteen hundred. And uh, I know it's Moncton's average is probably what thirty forty three forty three. So you're but at, to put that uh, in perspective, Blainville, who is in the Montreal market, which isn't easy, is at sixteen twenty nine. Mm-hmm. And then Valdor in the middle of nowhere is sixteen fifty four, um, and then obviously Bathurst is the worst in yeah. the league. So yeah. Johnny Rocket, I know you got money, um, marketing genius, but it, it they need an, they need the Irwins, they need a type of Irwins, whether it's the Halifax Irwins or the Simons, you mean the Simons, yeah, yeah. another Irwins, the Simons, um, even the ones in Cape Breton, like you see the difference that Cape Breton has done, just with the simple marketing of win three thousand dollars for over three thousand fans like just a simple which when you have an owner with pockets um you can do that kind of stuff but they continue to get fans in that building and you got to try and and do something a little bit different obviously i've had many of ideas for many of things but um it can't be easy in that market and 
that's a team too that aside from the Memorial Cup championship in 2019 and a run two years ago, um, there's not been a lot of reason to go to the rink. Mm -hmm. And um, this second half is going to be no exception. Like it feels to me the 1,400 people is their season ticket base. And they're not getting a lot of walk up or at least like 1100 is a season ticket base, not a lot of a walk up. So Mm. um, I understand from the standpoint of it's got to be tough to sell tickets when your team is what seems like a continual rebuild and drafting. And I mean, they got eight, eight picks in the first three rounds in the next three years, um, which will help expedite that. But they, they need somebody, whether it's from outside to come in and keep that team there and, and run it from afar. Um, but yeah, they need somebody. I was glad that the commissioner was going there to announce he wants to keep the team in Bathurst, not we're looking to move the team to wherever. And, and, and I know you had a conversation with him. I don't know if you brought up relocation or team or expansion into the, uh, into the U S market. Um, so I, Spoiler I asked, alert. <laughs> yeah, so I asked him about that and, uh, that'll be on my uh, article that'll be released, uh, probably later this week. Um, professional you know, tease. There. I, uh, I asked him, I said, you know, does the name change have any effect on, you know, where, where this league can, can grow? Mm-hmm. And he said, absolutely not. You know, it's uh, if you look at the Ontario Hockey League, it's it's called the it's called the Ontario Lock Hockey League, but they've got teams in Michigan. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's called Western, the W. It's yeah. called the Western Hockey. Well, yeah, it's called the Western Hockey League. But you know, there's 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 teams in the in the U.S. as well. So there's he said there's nothing stopping this this league from growing uh, back into the U.S. markets or or you know to to Newfoundland for that matter. It's it's um he said everything's on the table he said there's he's happy with the 18 teams right now uh he said there's no no reason to expand or to relocate or or uh, or even think about expansion right now he's happy with how the with how the 18 teams are doing yeah we have spoiler alert we've got uh, a little bit of a conversation with him coming up um where we talked about all kinds of different things and we'll get into our thoughts on that interview after that is over us. Scholastic player of the month uh, is Liam Kilfoyle of the Halifax Mooseheads for the month of December. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> I like how that's evolved from nerd to sounding like a goat saying nerd. Nerd. <laughs> uh, your QMJHL team of the week. I'm guessing you can guess at least two of them. Um, Joseph Henneberry. Yeah, that's one. Maverick Gauthier. No. He was robbed. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, no, not... Maxine Peller. Mathis, Mathis Oh, Mathis. Okay. My bad. All right. So the forwards, as Jeremy alluded to, Joseph Henneberry, he loves playing in Bathurst. Um, five goals, three assists in three games played. Uh, Maxine Peller in three goals, or three games played, zero goals, nine assists. Seven of them were in that Bathurst game. Um, Henneberry, his four goals, three assists were in that one Bathurst game. Um, Alexander Giardo of Gatineau, uh, three games played, four goals, two assists. Math, Math, Mathis? Mathis? Gauthier Gauthier. of the Olympique, one goal, four assists in three games. Jeremy Langlois, the Huskies, two goals, three assists in four games. And Quentin Miller uh, was one and one, a 966 save percentage and a 101 you. goals against average. You. Uh, he did have one shutout, though, in his victory over St. John. Um, Your loss was a <laughs> Which means the uh, player of the week by no one's surprised if they saw the uh, score between Victoriaville and Bathurst. 
Joseph Henneberry, um, three games, five goals, three assists, a plus four. And like I said, four goals, three assists. That's one of those, I think it was Jamie Tozer, like, this game's drunk. Like, four nothing, then it was five, four, then uh, the Q uh, images that proceeded had, like, the picture with, like, two minutes left, and they were down by two goals and came all the way back. Like, that's unbelievable that Pellerin has seven assists on eight of the goals. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is unreal, so... That is your QHL team of the week. Let's get to our team, the Weekly Rewind. Weekly Rewind. So the Wildcats go 1-0-1 on the weekend, bringing the record to 25-8-3-3 for 56 points on the season. Good enough for third in the conference, second in the Maritimes division, which, based on the standings, because we can almost get into that now, Moncton would play, like I said earlier, Shakutami in a first-round matchup on the big ice. Wasn't uh, it uh, Bathurst based on Dave McKnight's tweet? Dave McKnight's tweet, yeah, on uh, percentage. On oh, percentage. Yeah. i got to yeah. read more. No, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> based on uh, the winning percentage. But I think that would also probably be based closely on the PWHL mm-hmm. three-point system, too. So, yeah, because the, the Wildcats' points percentage is uh, .718, and Halifax is a .6. Seven four. So, based on percentage, which I don't think they do anymore because it's not a COVID year. Thank f. Um, Saturday, so no game against Bathurst, obviously for weather conditions. Which, much as I don't like seeing games be canceled due to weather, it's way better than seeing games being canceled for the old reason. Um, like so had, yeah. So <laughs> they had the extended break, um, kind of like a bye week. Uh, as they played last weekend against St. John, they didn't play again until Saturday. They got the 4-1 victory over uh, Ramuski. Um, well, first, Brent DeBoer made this for me. Uh, made a picture of Riker. Oh, nice. Uh, and his birthday. And I didn't. He brought. He was supposed to bring it on Saturday. And uh, so he brought it Sunday. But it was for Saturday's game. And it was. he said, happy birthday to Riker. Yesterday was your birthday. Miss you each and every day, just like Mom and Adam. I hope the Wildcats will score four goals tonight. On your birthday, number 27. Rest easy, little man. Um, we will win this game for you tonight. Love you, miss you, rest in peace. Love Brent and your Wildcast podcast family and Jeremy. And it, I didn't pre-read that, so my eyes are getting watery right now. But, um, yeah, that guy, when he makes predictions based on Riker, the team wins. Yeah. Uh, he had one earlier in the year where he said they were going to win for Riker, and they did. Uh, he said they were going to score four goals. They did. Um, yeah. We talked about it. I wouldn't say it was 60-minute effort. Um, we mentioned it was probably a 45. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were able to take control in the third period and get the two points in what I thought was a more physical game than the game against Halifax. Yeah, it really was. Uh, Ramuski is, uh, you know, they're no, uh, they're no slouch. And, uh, you know, I think Moncton wanted to kind of put it to them just because of the whole uh you know memorial cup thing yeah and uh it was all around a, i think a really really solid really solid effort uh i gotta mention gabe smith was flying yeah he was flying out there yeah and uh, that's probably one of the better games i've i've seen him play in in quite a while he was uh, the hardest worker that night was he that game yep was it okay who's yep. that, who was halifax uh denway right right yeah so he was he was out there flying and uh, it was all around really really good effort and um, they seem to play their best hockey 
in the second half of the game. You know, I'm, I'm like they're they're almost like a third period team. You know, they're they're playing their best hockey uh, when when the game's on the line, when there's when they need to put it away. And I think you've got the record their record with a a lead after who doesn't love stats. A, their their record as a team with a lead after forty minutes or something like yeah. that. It's undefeated. They're undefeated. Is that how it is? So they can. They've really shown that they can, you know, lock down these games. Twenty-two, zero, one, and one uh, overall team, and at home they are eleven, zero, and one. Crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty solid. Can't come back when they're trailing, <laughs> but when they're leading. So no yeah. more comeback cats. But um, you're right though. The Tyler Gogan, I think it's Tyler. Right? Yeah. Tyson. 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 Yeah. Scores uh, midway through the third period, cuts the lead, um, and then you just kind of saw Moncton take over. Um, it was a little bit of a theme in this one and the Halifax one. Maybe just take care of the slot. Uh, yeah. A couple times the Wildcats are getting caught puck watching. Um, and this one was a save off Warren and right to go again in the slot. And like I said on, on the postgame shows, guys in the queue aren't going to miss. Guys like us, we're going to miss. Mm-hmm. Guys in the queue, they're not going to miss from there. So um, like to see them collapse a little bit more. In the in the slot area, but um, Keegan Warren got the start. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of thought coming off the St. John game, he was going to play Bathurst, and then Steinman was going to get both. Uh, I heard down the quad, I believe, on uh, with Marty that uh, given the extra break allowed them to kind of change things up a little bit uh, goalie wise, um, and allowed Keegan to play, who hasn't played, uh, I believe, since. December 30th against St. John. So mm-hmm. it's been a while since he played um, 29 saves. <laughs> I didn't want to think it. I didn't want to say it. But once the Ramuski scored, I was like, I wondered if a team, if a goaltender has gone into somebody else's barn, shut out a team on Teddy Bear Toss night, and then shut out a team at his own home, Teddy Bear Toss, allowing his team. Uh, Keegan was right there. But in both games, Keegan showed. He didn't just play St. John. He played a good team. And he responded and gave him a chance to win. No, you're right. And just looking at the, looking at you know Bacomo's roster, not Bacomo, sorry, Ramuski, um, Alexander Blay, uh, Jacob Matthew, and I think their other forward on the top line. I can't think of his name, but all minuses across the board. You know, their top uh, Jacob Matthew, J- Jacob Matthew, Alexander Blay, and there's another one that I'm missing on their on their top line. I, I can't remember who it was. But, you know, you're scoring your goals against their top line, mm-hmm. which is a huge – that's huge. Yeah. That's – that's um, you know, you can't be relying on your you – know, on your getting lucky with your fourth – your you know, your top line being out there against a fourth line. It's mm-hmm. – it's, uh, you know, if you want to win, you got to be able to take advantage of your opportunities against uh, against the team's top, uh, the team's top lines. Uh, and they did that. And, you know, looking at the uh, – the danger, you know, stats are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, dangerous shots. I think I calculated eighteen or nineteen dangerous shots for Muski, and uh, you know, Keegan Warren had uh, what 29, 29 saves. So only ten of those were considered uh, flimsy little dumpins, probably. <laughs> and so he was sharp, really sharp. Yep, it was it was the Teddy Bear toss game, um, and Collard sent the Teddy Bears. Uh, teddy Bears are flying again. We got to see Max Barbashev. Um, He's just not the same player, and I'm not. No, I, I I said it to you, and I said it to a couple people around the rink. I I just think he's not in a Wildcat sweater, mm-hmm. and I think he wanted to play. His brother played for this franchise. He wanted to play for this franchise. 
Um, and I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't want to play for other franchises because he's playing in major junior hockey, but mm-hmm. I just I don't think it's the same in in a different jersey. No, I I agree. You know, when you when you saw him here against Winnipeg, you thought okay maybe he hasn't he's had a bad game, but yeah. I mean numbers wise, he's just not putting up the same the same numbers. He's he's just you're right. He's not the same player. Uh, so it just leads you to believe that you know. Moncton is the only city he wanted to play in, the only team he wanted to suit up for. And uh, you're, I mean, you're, it's tough. Uh, it's tough, but, uh, you know, when your uh, trades are part of the business yeah, and you've got to learn to accept them. And for some reason, it doesn't look like he's either, it just doesn't, I just, I just don't think he's enjoying the game right now. No, I think, uh, I think he wanted to be in either Moncton or Hartford mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't happen for him. So, and again, we, this is two games we've seen him play. I've, I haven't seen him play against other teams. Maybe he gets ramped up, but when he just plays Moncton, it's something about being in the arena and um, maybe gets a little sad. I don't know. But we get into Saturday or get into Sunday's fun day. Um, again, another 6,000 people at the barn, which I will say on the teddy bear toss, start putting that thing out early. Like mm-hmm. if you can, if you can fill the building on New Year's Eve because you have a plan around it, you can fill the building on teddy bear toss. There should easily be seven, 7,500 people uh, full of teddy bears. Good, good amount of teddy bears for people kind of just finding out on the Tuesday. Um, but it's it's a situation where I don't know schedule wise, put it put a bid in and say we just want that first December weekend, and that's what you plan and you give away tickets or whatever you do. Um, I think the reason that it was somewhat successful is to Timbits weekend. Yeah, I, I think if it's not Timbits weekend, it's it's even worse of mm-hmm. uh, of a teddy bear toss. But we get into Sunday. Um, they get the four three win in overtime over Halifax. No, we didn't win the game. We get the four three point in the <laughs> loss to Halifax. Um, I was reading the top thing about the win. Um, this was a playoff style game. This yeah. was exactly what the playoffs are going to look like. Um, if you wanted to come to the rink and see seven six eight seven style game, you were not going to see that. Um, again, it was not a sixty minute effort. Uh, but I was happy with this game, um, and for the simple reason we stayed two points behind him. We have the one makeup game that we're playing tonight against Blaineville. But like I said on the on the post games, that was a full Halifax roster mm-hmm. minus Dumain. He's a big part of it, but that's as full as their their roster is going to be. Mm-hmm. And for a team that didn't do anything and kept the core together and said, "Go do what you need to do with this group," they pushed him to overtime and they gave Halifax everything they had. And if they don't allow uh, Spriner to get a puck in the new, in the slot, maybe they win the hockey game. A little bit better gap control on Vitacek. He doesn't tie the game. Um, and then the the OT goal, puck watching, and Catafora buries it from, you guessed it, the slot. Um, but I was, for the most part, really happy with the effort against Halifax uh, coming in on a back-to-back. Yeah, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this game, and uh, I think you, you messaged me with like five minutes left saying, the other, they're on hold, they're hold, they're hold, trying to hold on here, they're yeah. trying to hold on here, and then next thing you know, we got a you know three two lead, yeah, uh, and it's, uh, and it just, ugh, just a, it would, it sure would be nice to have a, a clutch player in our lineup like Marcus <laughs> Vitacek. Oh man, just give me a. Give me six months here. Um, and 
Oh, yeah, because number one, two, three, four, five, six. And you know what else I figured out? Uh, our 20-year-old that wears number three graduates mm, yeah. out, right? Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. Just, no, I, so, uh, I'm just saying, like, we're just looking at jersey numbers, but, yeah, there was a six released and a, no, we're just, a three we're ages just, out, but who knows? We're just throwing crap out there because we know some people within the team listen to our show. <laughs> yeah. So well, what like, do we know? You know, yeah. like I said, we'll, we always say we're just a couple guys with a – Microphones yeah. in front of our faces. Basically, we just watching a football game while we're trying to do a podcast. Um, one of us is. Well, one of us is waiting to finish this thing so we can go watch a football game. But no, you're right though. This is a really good game, um, including a penalty shot. A penalty shot in overtime. Yeah. I uh, when I heard that, I uh, I immediately thought of uh, Big Daddy, the movie, <laughs> when uh, the kids there. There's a penalty shot in overtime. This happens like once every 100 games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kangaroo song. Kangaroo song. Kangaroo song. All right. Douchebag kangaroo. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was. It was almost. We almost had it. Yeah. Almost had it. Uh, you know, we were what a minute and thirty away from uh, from a division lead, and uh, just let it slip away. Yeah. Uh, that overtime winner. Maybe it's me being a little bit of a. Homer here, but I think I uh, I saw a pick on Mueller that uh, allowed him to not uh, catch up or, or you know chase mm-hmm. Cataford or Vitacek around the neck. Uh, I, I think it was Cataford that laid a pick on Mueller yeah. while he was chasing Vitacek, and uh, which allowed Vitacek to get around the net by himself and then find Cataford in the slot. So I think uh, again maybe that's uh, me being a Homer, but I think that was probably maybe a missed. Uh, a missed interference call on that uh, on that winner, and uh, but there's really nothing you can do there. It's um, I really think this team needs to focus more on. I I think they they don't play very well in overtime. They had that two on one, and mm-hmm. I think they executed it as poorly as could be, uh, where they literally could have put the game away. And for some some reason, Matthew Cataford. A forward was able to get back and break up a two-on-one. Yeah, uh, you cannot let that happen. Uh, and same thing happened in 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 again Charlottetown New Year's Eve. They're not their shot selection isn't is is despicable. It's so bad in overtime, and the game in Schwinnigan where they lost like six seconds into the game. This I don't know what this team is. What's wrong with this team when it comes to overtime or three on three? But they need to figure it out. Like it's it's there's been that's too cute thing. Too cute. It's it's too cute, and they're just it's simple. It's simple hockey. And if it's not for if it's not for Lounsbury's speed, because Moran was cast. Yeah. And I'll give him props for trying to get back. He took the second forward. But if it's not for Lounsbury's speed that ends up getting the uh, slash, which. Now that they didn't score, worked out in our favor instead of giving Halifax a power play. But you you are you are correct, and it's it's kind of a theme against Halifax. They're looking for the perfect play, and Halifax just puts the puck on net, puts the puck mm-hmm. on net, puts the puck on net. Like, um, when was his last team? When was the last time this team won a game in overtime? It's been a while. <laughs> right? I don't think they have won this season in overtime. Well, that's it, right? They, hey, they scored a goal in the first five minutes, though. They did. I was, I was <laughs> we quite buried, amazed. We buried the lead there on the power play too. The number one power play in the league, yeah. who went zero for five the night before, went one for one. Um, we buried the lead there. I think one of the other, I don't want to say curious decisions. Um, I missed the warm up, but I put the lineup out 
uh, obviously sort of the team. But I put the lineup out, and and it had Carrier on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. And I got to the rink and saw the first line, second line, third line, and noticed that Cooper Cormier was out in the fourth line. And mm-hmm. unless something in warm-up happened that I didn't see or what, but it seemed like it was a healthy scratch decision on Carrier. I don't understand what for. And like I said on the post game, this is not a shot at Cooper Cormier. But Riley Sampson is there. And mm. I, and 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 I, again, we we don't go to practices. We don't see how these guys practice. We don't see what goes into these decisions, but I thought it was a little curious that Cooper Cormier just getting called up and maybe it's because he just got Cormier up called up they wanted to get him in right away and get him into that Halifax um rivalry but I just I didn't understand um that decision I think if you're gonna have a player sit up in in the top of section 118 I think there's a different player I might go for um with that decision but um I think Carrier being a healthy scratch after warm-up was uh, quite the decision for me yeah, and I got uh, a message about that today. Why is the sixth overall pick a healthy scratch yeah. in favor of a 241st overall pick? Uh, but really, you got to find, if it's a matter of finding ice time, it's sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the that was a interesting decision if it was, in fact, a, a healthy scratch. And I uh, just checked, and they have yet to win an overtime or shootout game yet this season. And uh, the last time they won anything in extra time was March 17th of last year against the... That was a loss against Cape Breton. Shootout win against the Charlton Islanders, March 17th of last year, was their last win of uh, anything to do with extra time. Was that a Philion game? I feel like that. I feel like that was a Philly on one. Not, not that it matters, but no, it was Steinman. Ah, it was Steinman. Yeah. Um, so that's the last time they've won a game in extra time. Yeah. March seventeenth of last year. Uh, you're almost. Uh, you know, that's ten months. Yeah. So I, that that's it's it's maybe it's just me being a little you know selfish, but I just haven't been impressed with how they've approached overtimes. No. You know, I think there was a game earlier this season where they lost a game. It wasn't the Schwinnigan one, but they lost it seven or eight seconds into the game or 17 seconds. Charlottetown. Uh, yeah. One of the home games against Charlottetown. Yes. There was a turnover. Yeah. It, almost the exact same situation. Remember last year near the end of the year when uh, uh, I think it was Glant. One, of, uh, I can't remember who it was, knocked the puck off Tybo's stick and went all the way down. It was the same thing again. Let's get yeah. carbon copy of this year early that he went down, and scored in overtime. So no, they're. I think they need to approach overtimes a lot differently. It's just not working out. Yeah. Um. They're. They need to. I mean, there's. To to not get a shot off on a two on one in overtime with a forward back as a defenseman is is it's it's not acceptable. Yeah. You know you've you've got to put it away. You've got to bury it. That's uh, that's all I gotta say. Yep, yeah. Two shots in uh, in OT are not gonna get it done. Um, but hey, thankfully they are getting to OT. Like these heartbreak losses aren't costing us in the standings. I mean, you take away these, 
Halifax is potentially running away with the division mm-hmm. again. So at least the losses are continuing to get points. Now they go on the road. They got four, the longest road trip per time uh, of two weeks with the prospects game in there, but it's the first of two four game road trips. Um, so they had to Blainville tonight. They got Victoriaville tomorrow and they got Ramuski again, a little bit of a wrinkle in the schedule um, next Saturday. Uh, that should be a quite the feisty affair as it's in Ramuski and they usually get the favorable uh, stripes sometimes maybe, but uh, I think we're going to see what this team is about. And they, they've got one of the best, Second best record in the queue on on the road, 14, mm-hmm. two and two. Um, they're going to see Chiarlo tonight in Plainville, I would imagine. Um, they've had success against him, um, which fun fact, uh, I think Louis-Philippe Gagné of the Dracast tweeted that the shutout by Gravel was the first shutout by a goaltender not named Olivier uh, since March 22nd of 2020 or something like that. Like, Wow. It's been like a long time, and Lucas Fitzpatrick was the last one. So, <laughs> um, this is a little bit of a different Blaineville roster. Um, they're right there in in the thick of a division uh, battle in the Eastern, or thick of a conference battle in the uh, Western Conference. Um, but this is going to be a good test. Blaineville, Victoria, back to back. I think you'll see a very good Wildcats team who gets on the road, gets a little bit of a break. Um, as I think they were watching the Habs game, kind of a team builder. And, and like Mueller said in the interview, they like to be around each other. They like to hang out. It's it's a group that likes to be around each other, and I think that's probably why they've had a lot of success on the road. Yeah, and it, it's uh, I think some people look at this game and, and think it's not very important. Mm-hmm. I think this is the most important game of the road trip. And I'll say that because if you, for any reason, look past this game – Looking ahead to Victoriaville and Ramuski, you're in for a shitstorm. Yeah, you know this yeah. is uh, don't look past this team uh, because they've like like you said they've got Sherlo and they've got Fauchon who can uh, do some damage. And if they're looking past this, you know if they're focused more on 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 a Thursday night uh, against oh crap Thursday night. Our Thursday night games have oh, not been Thursday kind. Night. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, they've not been kind to us. A Thursday night game. If you're looking ahead to that Thursday night game, or yeah. you're you know your Saturday afternoon against Rancor Ramuski, you're in trouble. Um, so I think this is probably the. Uh, I think this is the most important game on this road trip. Yeah, no, I I don't doubt that. This is a lot of. This is the game where usually the families come out the mm-hmm. Blaineville Victoriaville road trip. They're going to see. So it's going to be a good family trip. Um, last five years. Uh, at Blaineville, they've they've gone two and one, so they've been able to at least have the statistical. But last year they split home and home. I don't uh, last five years Moncton has dominated, but that but still, this is not a game you can ill afford to look past. And it's not so much a trap game, but yeah, you're you're bang on because you you look past this one, and then potentially the losses can compound. And that's what this team has done a very good job of is not letting losses compound to two and three and four. But Blaineville, Victoriaville, Ramuski, then you get a, another long break. And then you got Cape Breton, who has gotten better since the trade mm-hmm. deadline and is, is playing really good hockey right now. That's where things can kind of steamroll and get away from you on the road in, in what is a, a close divisional battle. And that's another going to be, that's going to be another big game against, against Cape Breton. Cause uh, you know, you're, 
as as they're right on the heels of Ramuski. Yeah, and as not great as they've been. Yeah, you know they're only I think ten. Ten points behind us. Right ten now. points behind, and you know here we are. We've been you know mocking them all all year, and you know the the slightest uh, little bit of a losing streak, and you know we're neck and neck with them, and then mm-hmm. it's uh, then we're not into so many favorable matchups in in round one. So you've got to you really got to get that road uh, mindset on and really continue with this uh, with the success you've had on the road because it's uh, you need to counteract these uh, these home performances somehow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a four-game road trip could be a, a really good way to do it. Yeah, okay, Breton's got uh, Shakutami at home. Then they've got uh, St. John at home. And then they've got Halifax at home. So they're, they've got a nice home stretch, and, and they're playing pretty good hockey, and – you know they're they're no slouch, and now all of a sudden you get to that game on the twenty eighth, and that ten point lead is a four point lead. Mm-hmm. Um, things get a little tighter in that uh, in that race. So um, we should probably get to our guest day. Eh? He's a pretty big deal. Oh, that one, that yeah, one, yeah, yeah, of course. yeah, the one we've been saving. Um, yeah, so let's get to the view from the other bench. View from the other bench. All right, so uh, Saturday, uh, as part of the uh, maritime trip for the commissioner, um, we were invited to the media scrum, and uh, our questions were taken before we got to them uh, as part of the scrum, but um, Raphael Doucette, the new communications guy for the queue, as well as Michelle uh, of the Wildcats, were gracious enough to give us some time with Mr. Giacchini. So um, here is that interview with with the commissioner right now. Commissioner Mario Cicchini, um, you came from the Quebec uh, market and the, the Montreal Alouettes more specifically. I guess the CFLs had issues trying to grow their game as it gets more into TV and social media and stuff like that as you're competing with grocery money and fans getting younger. What are you going to try to do with the younger generation to keep them up in terms of, like us, podcasts and league-wide and stuff like that? Well, uh, I think we're doing it now, first of all. I think that type of communication with uh, the, the new ways and let's – they're less and less new, uh, but I'm saying like trying to reach that younger audience, if you will, in, in, in many different facets. So that's a challenge already. And mind you, um, you will also hear us use traditional media because sometimes I have a media background. So for me, it's hard to answer that question without being a bit technical, but it's we over exaggerate the hype of social media. And we downplay, or we overplay the downfall, if you will, of traditional media. Ask anybody who does a TV interview or radio interview, he's getting some text messages afterwards. So it still works, is my point. But we have to just be uh, aggressive in a good way on every platform that's out there that's available and reach the kids where they are. Uh, It's challenging, uh, but we have to start, and we will start that soon. You will hear some form of... Of, uh, of advertising out of the league, which the league has never done. So that's that's a first this year. That's com- it's coming up in Jan or Feb or something like that. So I won't, I won't uh, throw the punches away. <laughs> but then also, I think we have to work on our with the teams. When I say we, that's a team responsibility. But the league has to play a role in supporting them, bringing ideas together, sharing good practices of the famous fan experience, yeah. the in-bowl in, in experience, uh, making sure that kids want to come back, basically. You know, that's the driver. If they come back, if they tell their parents, I want to come back, it was an enjoyable afternoon, 
well-priced, not overpriced, not underpriced, yeah, exactly. but well-priced and making sure that they leave here with a big smile. That's our job. Yeah, and you've seen it with some of the other teams, like Shikumi's got one, Quebec's got one, Cape Breton now is a podcast. So you kind of see teams kind of building towards younger fans. And, and uh, if I may, we've changed our communications uh, director. Uh, we hired a yeah. new person mm -hmm. called Raphael Doucet, which hopefully you have met, or he will reach out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but his title has content producer in there okay. also. So, and it's going to be content that's going to be available mm -hmm. to you guys. Mm -hmm. So it's not to do... It's not to, um, in sort of internal journalist, if you will, but to produce tons and tons of videos and audios and articles that you can build on, that you can use if you want. Uh, so that's so you'll see the league much more active producing that type of content also. And just piggybacking off Adam's question, when you were president of the Alouettes, I think I read somewhere where the attendance increased by 5,000 per game or something like that. So what can 25%. you? There you go. So what can you as a commissioner do for the league? to get more butts in the seats because let's be honest some teams are still trying to recover from from the pandemic well you heard my numbers of the attendance right so at least we're all on the right path versus last year well the first thing i got to do is get out of the way as a commissioner of those who do it right that's and i say that no joking that's important so we're not here to impose ways we're here to make sure that those who do it well the ideas they have circulate very rapidly we're really starting to to sort of have that um, on the ice, everybody competes. Off the ice, it's total collaboration. On the business side, on the admin side, on the marketing side, we totally have to collaborate and bring the league at another level that way. What we can do though is make sure, and back to a little bit of your question about, let's call it the image of the league with lack of a better term, that, that everybody, when you read that logo, you feel good. You know, you want to join it, you want to play in it, you want to go watch it. And that's, that's many, many, many little things. And we want to make sure that we communicate properly what we do. And uh, we, need, we, we always will need to improve on that because there's so many things that the team does, that the league does, that is good for the, the kids and slash the community. So I think that's what we can do. So when you talk about getting fans and seats, fans want to see the best players come through and obviously the Quebec teams play the Maritimes just twice a year once at home once in a way and I've always wondered if there is an ability to have three times where they play two one time one on the road and they switch it up or try and have a more balanced uh, schedule between the conferences the east and the west and I know travel is a big thing yeah. and weather is a big thing when you get weather. into the winter but um, I've always used the uh, analogy like Gabriel Dagg Victoriaville was the first overall pick He's only been here twice. He's been fortunate to play here twice, but fans might not get to see the number one overall pick if he's the backup goaltender. So is there a chance that you can maybe balance out the schedule? So at the end of the year, you don't get those all lower matchups in the division and try and get more fans to see more Quebec teams because that's kind of what Maritime teams like to see. The um, calendar is probably the hottest topic right now. Mm -hmm. Where we'll end up, I literally have no idea. Uh, this decision will be made uh, in a month from now at the, uh, at the board in terms of the, when I say the, the, the uh, how do you say, sort of the, the structure of the schedule. Um, everybody is striving, is striving to, um, to have a, a better schedule or a more attractive schedule, uh, a perfect schedule. <laughs> and I don't know if I can use some uh, vul vulgarity 
on the podcast, Absolutely. but we joke internally, kids, close your ears, <laughs> that uh, when everybody is equally PO'd yeah. is when you've done a good schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Because even when I was president of the Alouettes that you refer to, you're never happy with your schedule. Mm. No, the other team has more days rest. We have more three-on-trees. We have there's always something that goes with the uh, availabilities of the buildings. It's really it's 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 hard. There's some issues that you cannot get around to. It's just you have to just say, listen, it's not that bad. If when as a as a GM, if you say it's not that bad, and most of them say that, then we're we're good. So, uh, so that's the on, on, on the large scale. On the smaller scale, like issues like you mentioned and all that, that's that's in the works. So everybody's recuperating a bit better now versus COVID. So cost could be less of an issue moving forward as we build revenue. So it's up to us to do the right thing. So actually, cost and travel doesn't become an obstacle. After that, though, you have to look at say, okay, guys, I mentioned the schedule of the players. They are athlete students. They don't play in the NHL yet. So we have to be mindful of that also. So that all these things that's come together. So do I see short-term huge changes? Probably not. When I say short-term, I mean next year. But as I said, I'm starting a lot of, we are starting, initiating a lot of conversations on many topics. Mm -hmm. Because I know that some going to come around in three, four years, others in five years, others never, and others maybe boom, boom, boom next year. So that's how we, we, we look at things. So is it possible? Probably possible. Does it have to be totally balanced? Mm-hmm. Um, are we allowed to say one of the, I'll give you an example that's uh, uh, not necessarily our, uh, linked n- our league, but on the CHL level. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have Connor Bidal come and play a game in Moncton last year. So (laughs) when we have uh, an exceptional player, which we we wish him well, uh, he got hurt, uh, we should showcase the CHL that way, you know? So so in order to do that, we need to leave some room in in the calendar because, I mean, some exceptional players don't necessarily deliver the promises, so we have to be careful. And there's also maybe sometimes places for, I mean, look at what the NBA does. You know, it's, it's exciting. So is there ideas we can look at that we can show around, bounce around, and uh, have some form of, of um, mid-season, say? And yeah, uh, so that could be interesting. And obviously, since I'm in Moncton, you guys are fully aware, we have uh, part of the calendar is the prospect game. Mm-hmm. That is coming here, you know, there's, uh, there's it's, it's great interest. I mean, I know the tickets are going rather rapidly, but I'm told there's still some, so don't miss that. We'll probably have a fifth uh, Q player, um, you know, in the game. So that just makes it, make it a bit more interesting. But you'll get to see the best, uh, best players um, of our global CHL league. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, you, you mentioned. Uh, talk, you tell me if I talk too much. No, 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 no it's no, okay. No. You mentioned like throwing around ideas. Uh, we saw the launch of the uh, professional women's hockey league on the first yeah. of January, and you know their jailbreaker rule is is something that uh, maybe could be a future QMJHL thing. Where you know if you score shorthanded, the penalized player can leave the box. It would obviously have to be a CHL change, uh, but would you be something? Would that be something you'd be uh, you know in favor of? Well, I would. I certainly would entertain that idea I'm not against it I know players coaches everybody uh, what they train for what they like to play is five on five Mm -hmm. so once you 
made the other team pay with a goal for their mistake or penalty, why not get back to five on five? So I'm not saying we'll do it. I've not even discussed it with any GM. <laughs> but to me, uh, I know that you know where that rule comes from. You do remember. It's because of the Montreal Canadiens. They were so strong in the 50, I think it was the 50s or 60s, they used to score two, three goals. Okay. So there was so, and then it came back that, so that's where it came from. Mm -hmm. So we'll see this, but there's many ways to treat that, you know, five, um, five, uh, also five minute penalty. And uh, I mean, every year those are rules that to me, to me, the way I think, I don't mind reviewing those. Those to me are not ongoing discussions or it's evolving with times. There's, there's, uh, you'll get a bunch of GMs that think differently at the same time. Then 10 years later, it's different, so different commissioner. Mm -hmm. So anything that, and you know, I'll ultimately feedback if, if we get data that says that the fan would like it that way. I mean, that's, that's, that's an impact that doesn't favor any team mm -hmm. and favors in a way. Wh what we don't want to happen is always the unintended consequences mm -hmm. um, of having more say less or more penalties for some other reason because unintended means you have not figured it out before yeah. it happens so uh, we would have we would have to look into it but to look into it definitely not against it just one more because i know you got a very busy schedule for you so obviously the marquee event uh, aside from the prospects game is the draft um it's a one-day event has there been any thoughts to like the nfl um where you're, you said you're looking to other leagues and other stuff the nfl where they do the round one marquee event on a friday night put it on the chl tv and then they have the rest of the draft on the saturday uh, pay attention to the coming weeks of when we publish the schedule that's all i'm gonna say Maybe some breaking news there, <laughs> yeah. you never know. All right, well, I know you have a very busy schedule. We appreciate you taking the time with us today. Even though I stumbled on my, uh, my words coming out of that, uh, that, inter that intro with him, which why wouldn't I? Nervous talking to a new commissioner. Um, you were just hungover and drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was. Um, great to talk to him. Um, mm -hmm. Very well-spoken um, in terms of, of the league. Uh, we talked about it um, a little bit after. He literally seems like no idea is a bad idea. He's receptive to anything. Um, I am absolutely pumped when the schedule comes out because I have been calling for round one of the Q draft to be a prime time event. He didn't come out and say it, but he did not come out and say it. So I have been on the bandwagon of making that an event. Um, now we won't have a first round pick as of right now for that, which kind of sucks, but he just seems like a, an excellent commissioner to take this league into the new era and the new social media mm -hmm. and grow the younger fan base. Oh, for sure. He's uh, very, like I said, very well-spoken and, and he, you're right. He's not uh, against any, any ideas. And uh, you know, that Friday night thing, I think it's, uh, that's going to be an idea that, um, what did he say? Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the he schedule. Stay tuned. So the, to the schedule. Yeah. So uh, that, uh, you know, sounds, pretty promising for uh, you know a little friday night fun fest at the avenir center and you know roll out the red carpet for the for the prospects and, yeah. and their families and you know make it uh make, make it a big hoopla and you're right we won't have a first round pick but uh based on what i've heard is uh it's a good year not to have a first round yeah. pick yeah. so it's uh you know these are when it comes to the picks that we do have uh make them count yeah no and uh we may not have a first round pick that in not the best pool of picks, mm -hmm. 
but it's going to be a first round you're probably going to want to pay attention to and be there on that night for some things happening. That's right. Um, we could probably give you six reasons why. But, um, again, I, and one of the cooler ideas that he had was um, not so much the in-season NBA tournament because as a non-NBA fan, I didn't understand that and didn't – I was like, that's weird. But I liked his idea of last year, Connor Bedard, generational player mm. how do we get him into the queue in like an exhibition style in the middle of the season to kind of rev- generate revenue and um i mean you talked about the 14 year old who didn't apply for exceptional yeah. status you want to talk about filling the rink in barns that's a type of situation where a player like that in the queue could kind of revitalize some of the fan base and it's just i don't know how you make that happen but i thought that was pretty cool i think i i didn't want to correct him when he was talking about Conor Bedard, he's like, how great would it have been to see Conor Bedard in Moncton? Well, we did see Conor Bedard in Moncton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should, yeah, with the Pats, I think you meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no. I just, I, last thing I wanted to do was sit there and be like, as a matter of fact, sir, we did see Conor Bedard in Moncton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's part of the word. Yeah, exactly. No, but uh, no, yeah. the old thing, I think, like my dream scenario would be to somehow see the Wildcats play the Barry Colts and all that's and not that preseason thing that they did a few years ago yeah, where they went yeah because you know we think like it's it's that only opportunity would be you know a Memorial Cup mm-hmm. and they're just not on the same trajectory whatsoever so to be able to you know maybe go see them uh, a game like that would be would be a lot of fun who would you cheer for both teams to have fun. I I would have um, probably my Wildcats jersey on and, oh. and a Barry Colts hat. I was going to say, please don't tell me you're going to make one of them half and half things. No, I wouldn't. Half and half monstrosities. I can't afford that. Well, no, I meant make one. Oh, <laughs> I can't yourself. afford that. Um, yeah, I think that would be that would be cool. And I, I don't know if maybe that's a preseason thing that you do if the CHL tries to put preseasons together i know you had your interview and mm-hmm. spoiler alert i don't want to give away all your questions but yep. did you ask about the c shep thing and how you can kind of no maybe i didn't start that somehow a little earlier no you didn't no because that's that's i know your favorite rule right oh i love that rule <laughs> uh are you ready for everyone's favorite part of the show best rule in the league it's one of them uh you ready for everyone's favorite part of the show yeah yeah do i have to get some kleenex for tears or are you good no you're good? We're all, all good right. this week. All right. We're all good, yeah. Although I did it this week. So. Exactly. <laughs> Eric Murray, realtor, buy our house from him. Stick tap of the week. Adam, yeah. it's your birthday next month. How old are you going to be? 40? Two. 42? Yeah. 42? Yeah. Really? Okay. I don't look it. Well, Adam's going to be 42 next week. Me, I'm going to be 39 <laughs> in May. Yeah. Terry Ryan... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 47 years old. Signs a contract to play for the Newfoundland Growlers. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh this guy was in the dressing room. He's got more gray hairs than I've got. Uh <laughs> which is I mean obviously based on age, but um it was his birthday as well. Mm-hmm. And I had to laugh cuz in his post game interview he talked about how he was six, five or six pints deep the night before, <laughs> only to find out that he was signing a, you know, a contract the, uh, the next day to play pro hockey. Right. Uh, never give up in your dreams. You know, if you, if you, if you know, if you want to be a police officer, go be a police officer. If you want to be an astronaut, 
go be an astronaut yeah. like that NFL quarterback. Isn't like a third string NFL uh, quarterback? Yeah, uh, Josh Dobbs. That's the one. He's like an astronaut. If you want to try out for a pro hockey league <laughs> team at 47 years old, you go out and do it. Uh, and uh, he even got in a fight too. Did you see that? He got in a fight. Shocking that somebody wanted to make their name by fighting him. 47 years old, dropping the gloves in the ECHL. Uh, so a lot better, uh, more entertaining uh, stick tap of the week this week uh, to the old, uh, was it former eighth overall pick? Yeah, I think so. Something like that? Something like that, yeah. Are you? Oh, oh I thought you were doing something else. <laughs> yeah. You were um, rocking, so yeah. stick tap, stick tap. Kyle was making some <laughs> hand gestures yeah. over there, and I wasn't yeah. exactly sure what yeah, he was doing with his hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It looked so, like he was. He was doing something with his long stick. Long stick. Yeah, he was shoveling. Um, yeah, shoveling. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yep, right. yep, we're good. The stick tap of the week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with oh. the Remax Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at five zero six eight six three eight eight zero two. I have another honorable stick tap again. Um, the Wildcats yeah. participated in a Make-A-Wish reveal um, for a kid today. Liam, I don't have his last name. Is it Emery? Liam it was... Emery, yeah, I yeah. think. Um, his wish was to attend an NHL game and meet his favorite players. Uh, because of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, they granted his wish. He will travel to Toronto to attend the NHL All-Star Game. Um he was uh, he's a very proud Wildcats fan, kept up to date with all the games. Uh, at the age of seven, he was diagnosed with T-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, he is in remission, but that was not the end of his battles. Uh, he was going under three years of chemotherapy. Um, he was hospitalized in Christmas of 2021 with, some life, with a life-threatening infection. As a result, he lost sight in his right eye. He was hospitalized for 230 days um, in his hospital stay. Yeah. Um, his strong will to get back on the ice to play hockey, he was able to join his friends in the 2022-2023 season. He still has uh, four chemo treatments until November 2024, but he manages to return to a normal life, including playing his favorite sport, which is hockey. He was at the Wildcats game, and once I saw the pictures on that Richie had uh, on his Facebook and then the, the Wildcats shared it, um, I was like, I did see that kid walking around with with Richie. Um, yeah. He was uh, the Hockey Fights Cancer Game. He was the one that was honored yeah. at uh, Center Ice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, so stick tap to uh, Rich Tebow, Michelle Beliveau, uh, and the Moncton Wildcats, and Make-A-Wish Foundation for allowing this kid uh, to live out his dream of going to see the NHL, and he's going to see the world's ugliest jerseys in the uh, NHL All-Star game. Uh, that brings us to the Wildcats Wildcat of the Week, presented by Rosemary Lynn Massage and Spa. Today is the final day for a flash sale with Micah. Book a shellac pedicure and get a shellac manicure for only $10. Uh, don't forget they have a loyalty card when you perk nine services. You get one free. Take advantage. Call 506-830-1224. Or book in person at 1224 Mountain Road. Another week, another accolade for the MCL line, to be honest. They're one of the best lines in the queue right now. They've been one of the best lines all season. Uh, it's why I have no doubts on this team with the top six against just about anybody in the league. Um, this time, he had some key points for us on the weekend. He had the uh, assist on the first goal Saturday, and then he had the goal to kind of get the building energized again against Halifax. Uh he had a goal, two assists on the weekend. The Wildcats Wildcat of the week is number 20, Preston Lounsbury. 
You didn't do the Burger Fest again, but we did go have the Burger Fest burger at uh, yeah. at Route Six. So mm-hmm. you got to give your I don't want to say props to it, but you got to give your feedback on the Route Six burger. Uh, so in terms of the the uh, if you go over the list of all the burgers, this had to be probably the more uh, the hard the biggest heart attack yeah. on a bun. Yeah. Um, this thing had obviously the burger had bacon, it had a bratwurst sausage on it. It had like s- s- sliced up steak on it, chicken wings, uh, chicken wing on it, uh, fried dill pickle on it. It had everything. I was disappointed. Uh, I was expecting more, expecting better. And all I got was a cold chicken wing, a cold <laughs> deep fried pickle, and a cold burger. Yeah. Uh, so I was, um, it felt like it had been sitting out for 10 minutes. Uh, felt like they had a bunch of burgers already pre made and they were just flinging them out to the tables as they were ordered them. I was hoping for something a little more fresh. Um, the overall look of the burger was nice. I enjoyed the look of the burger. Uh, but, uh, you know, probably a 6.5 out of 10. Have you tried any others since? No, I have not. Since then. Uh, I do want to get the, uh, the Sports Rock one with the bun, the donuts in the mm-hmm. middle there. and Halo donut donuts. The, yeah, exactly. So I want to get that one eventually. And I know that I've heard a lot of good things about the Chris Rock burger. Uh, so those are kind of my two, uh, those are the two on my list. I got to get those done before the uh, 20, I think it's over the 28th. 28th. Yeah. Yeah. So plenty of time. A couple weeks. And, uh, like we had talked about before we decided on where to go, I'm picky and eat like a nine year old. So it's going to be very tough for me to eat any of these burgers. Uh, but yeah, the Wildcats are on the road for the next, uh, four games, but, uh, the Wildcats top or the QMJHL Kubota top prospects game, uh, is next week on Wednesday. Tickets are going fast. Um, so if you want to get them, you might want to get them now. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it. Wildcats are back January 28th against Sherbrooke. So uh, for Jeremy, I'm Adam. See you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.